Psalm 134. Let's read it together, shall we? Behold, bless the Lord, all servants of the Lord, who serve by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the sanctuary and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. Thank you, Father, for your presence that we've sensed as we've worshiped together. Thank you for great things you have done, wherein we are glad. And now I ask you to open our hearts that we may hear and receive what the Spirit will say to us in the midst of the preaching today. Let praise rise in the hearts of your people that will go forth and be an acceptable offering to you today. I lift up other life-giving churches and I pray blessing upon them. And I pray for our loved ones not yet walking in right relationship with you. I ask you to draw them to a place of repentance. I especially pray for sons and daughters who have wandered from the faith. Don't let one of them be lost, I ask, O Lord. I thank you for hearing our prayer. We pray all of these things in the only name that matters, the marvelous name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. The title of this short three-part series of messages that I began last Sunday is a statement I wish everyone would internalize. It's a truth I want to build into your system because it's one of the keys to living the overcoming life. The statement I gave you in the title of the series is, Attitude is Altitude. I'd like you to repeat that with me like we did last week. Would you just say it with me? Attitude is altitude. Why don't you just look over at somebody and say, you know, that's true. Just tell them. As I walk you through the message this week, I want you to keep that truth in the back of your mind. Attitude is altitude. The psalm that forms the text for the message today is the final psalm in a group of 15 ancient songs known as the Psalms of Degrees or Psalms of Ascent. Three times a year at Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles, the people of God were commanded to go up to Jerusalem to participate as a community of believers in times of worship and celebration. The trip was a much-anticipated event. Every season, as the travel time approached, there would be a flurry of activity. Food for the journey would be prepared. Bags would be packed. People of means might ride on a horse or a donkey or perhaps in a cart. But most of the travelers would walk making their pilgrimage up to Jerusalem. As they traveled in these pilgrim bands, there were songs that would be sung by the company traveling as they approached their destination. Those songs are contained in what we have in our Bibles as Psalm 120 through Psalm 134, the Psalms of Ascent. These are the marching songs 
that gave assistance to keep the tired feet of weary travelers moving forward to their final destination of worship. At the same time, these psalms also form a progression that moves us up out of our present condition into a new position in our relationship with the Lord. Now, I don't have time to walk you through the theme of each one of these psalms, but I'll just say that the psalm that is our text for today is the final song in this group. And in one sense, all the psalms of ascent are about worship, but this concluding psalm is the climax. The people who first sang this song had been traveling the roads that led to Jerusalem. Now they had arrived and were at the temple to worship God in festival celebration. Some of these people would have been on the road for days, some for weeks, in some instances, perhaps for more than a month. Now they have come to the end of the journey. What would they feel? What would they do? When you read the opening verse of this psalm, one way, it is an invitation. Come, bless the Lord. The great promise of worship is that it is inclusive of everyone. All may join in. Don't be shy. Don't be intimidated. Don't hold back. Did you have a fight with your spouse on the way to the Lord's house? Well, you're here now, so bless the Lord. Did you quarrel with your neighbor while making the trip? Well, forget about it. You're here now, so bless the Lord. Did you lose touch with your children while coming and aren't sure where they are now? Well, put that aside for the moment. They have their own pilgrimage to make. You are here, so bless the Lord. Are you ashamed of the feelings you had while traveling, the grumbling you indulged in, the resentment you harbored? Well, it wasn't bad enough to make you turn back. Now that you're here, bless the Lord. Are you embarrassed by the number of times you stumbled and fell and had to have someone pick you up and carry you along? No matter, you're here. So bless the Lord. The opening of this psalm is an invitation to put the trials and the toils of the journey behind you and join with the company of the faithful in worship. But not only is it an invitation, it's also an imperative. Now that you've arrived at the place of worship, what are you going to do? Are you, are you going to sit around and tell stories about the trip? Are you going to spend your time as a tourist in the big city, visiting the bazaars and window shopping and trading in the square? Now that you've gotten Jerusalem checked off your list of things to do, will you immediately begin looking for another challenge, another holy place to visit? Will the temple be merely a place to socialize, to receive congratulations from others on your achievement, a, a place to share gossip and trade stories, a, a place to make business contacts that will improve your prospects back home? None of those is the reason you made the trip. You're here because God called you. You're here because God blessed you. You're here because God enabled you to make it. Now the imperative is bless the Lord. Your stories may be interesting, but they aren't the point. 
Your achievements may be marvelous, but they aren't what's important. Your curiosity may be understandable, but it's not really relevant. Now that you're here, do that for which you were created and redeemed. Lift your voice in gratitude. Enter into the community of praise and prayer that anticipates the final consummation of faith in heaven. Bless the Lord. I know that you've been through some stuff on your journey. Everybody's got stuff. Everybody's been through stuff. You're not, you're not special that way. I hate to break that to you. And I know that things haven't always gone your way. I know there have been struggles. I know there have been disappointments. This is the time to lay all that aside. This is the time to recalibrate your vision and narrow your focus. Worship isn't an option for the child of God. Bless the Lord. The first statement of this psalm isn't just an invitation and it isn't just an imperative. It's also an instruction. Did you notice the very first word? Behold. That word introduces the psalm with an instruction to pay attention. Sit up and take notice. Not only is it a call to give attention, it's also a call to careful observation. It means to look around you with intentionality. Here's what I've discovered. Too often we get into a time of worship and all we can do is look at the negatives. All we can see are the problems. The mountains that are in our way obstruct our view. This psalm is an instruction to get your eyes just a little bit higher than you're accustomed to looking. This psalm is a reminder that in the midst of chaos and confusion, there is another point of view. In the natural, you behold the problems. In the natural, you behold the adversity. In the natural, you behold the hardship. In the natural, you behold the impossibility. You know, you know how we do it. Behold, the bills are overdue. Behold, the kids are out of control. Behold, the job is terminated. Behold, the health is deteriorated. Behold, the relationship is on the rocks. Behold, I've been maligned and misused and misunderstood. Behold, the country's in a mess and the world is groaning in agony. Behold, truth has fallen in the street. Righteousness is reviled. Evil is ascending. Everything around you might argue for retreat and defeat. But I came today to give you another perspective. I came to invite you to a different point of view. I came to challenge you to a change of attitude that will change your altitude. Here's the change. Behold, the Lord is still on his throne. Behold, he has not surrendered his scepter of authority to any other. Behold, his hand is not short that it cannot save, and his ear isn't dull that it cannot hear. Behold, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cries. Behold, I will lift my eyes to the hills from which comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Behold, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Behold, my God shall supply all my need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Behold, those who wait upon the Lord shall gain new strength. 
They will mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Behold, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Behold, I have been young and now I am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed out begging bread. Behold, you have a high priest who has been tempted in all points just as you are, yet without sin. So you can come with confidence to the throne of grace and obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Behold, nothing can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus your Lord. Not, not tribulation or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, not death, not life, not angels, or principalities, or powers, or things present, or things to come, not height, not depth, not any other created thing, but in all these things, you are more than a conqueror through him that loved you. The instruction is, behold. And then when you behold, bless. I want to tell you, when you get a God point of view, you can't help but bless the Lord. You can't help but worship when you think about the Lord, how he saved you, how he raised you, how he filled you with the Holy Ghost, how he healed you to the uttermost. When you think about the Lord, how he picked you up and turned you around, how he placed your feet on solid ground, it will make you want to shout hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're worthy of all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. Somebody ought to just go ahead and take about 30 seconds and give God praise. Bless the Lord in this house. <laughs> There's the invitation, the imperative, and the instruction. This psalm then identifies those who are to be involved in the worship. Notice who he said he's supposed to worship. All servants of the Lord who serve by night in the house of the Lord. I want you to think back with me for a moment to the occasion when King David brought the Ark of the Covenant into the city of Jerusalem. During that time, David called all the Levites together who were the ministers and the musicians assigned to the ministry of worship. And he divided that company of people into three different groups. There were three, three groups of singers, three groups of instrumentalists, and three groups of dancers. All the singers and instrumentalists and dancers who were in group one, they were assigned to minister before the ark of the Lord in the first shift, which was eight hours. All the worshipers in group two, they were to minister in the second shift. All the worshipers in group three, they were given the third shift. Thus it was that 24 hours a day, there was continual worship being offered in the presence of the Lord. Notice this psalm is addressed specifically to those in the third group. Those who serve who? By night in the house of the Lord. 
Now think with me for a moment about being part of the worship team for the third watch, the night season worship service. Anybody ever worked midnight shifts and, and, you know, graveyard shifts? Yeah, me too. The sun has set long ago. The crowd has gone to their homes and is safely and soundly sleeping in their beds. There's no traffic in the streets. They've rolled up the sidewalks. Even the animals have settled down for the night. Everything's quiet. Everything's still. There's only the dim light of the lamp illuminating the tent. It's 3 o'clock in the morning, and you're scheduled to sing the solo. I don't know. I just wonder how many times that soloist didn't feel like singing at 3 o'clock in the morning. There wasn't going to be a lot of folks out there standing on their feet and clapping when the soloist was singing at 3 o'clock in the morning. I wonder how many times that trumpet player in the instrumental section would rather have been sleeping at 3 o'clock in the morning instead of counting measures, measures of rest so that he'd know to come in at the right time in the music. I wonder how many times that dancer wanted to curl up in a ball under the covers instead of twirling and leaping and dancing at 3 o'clock in the morning. See, most of us would have wanted to dismiss the importance of that worship. I wonder how many wanted to just go through the motions and not worry about if there were missed notes or if it was bad tuning. After all, I mean, there's nobody around to even hear it. But what we're made to understand is that real worship doesn't require a spotlight. Real worship doesn't require a crowd. Real worship doesn't require a lot of fanfare. Real worship is designed for an audience of one. See, the psalm doesn't say, behold, impress the congregation with your vocal ability. It doesn't say, dazzle the crowd with your skill and talent. It doesn't say, provide a performance that will cause an ovation of applause to erupt from appreciative hearers. The instruction is, behold, bless the Lord. When there's no one else around to hear it, bless the Lord. When you feel like you've been overlooked and no one's paying attention, bless the Lord. When it's just you and God, bless the Lord. I want to tell you, if they had gone by their feelings, there would never have been any worship going on during the night season. If they had gone by their feelings, they would have shut and locked the doors. They would have turned out the lamps. They would have come back the next morning. But there's a truth you need to get established in your spirit today. Feelings don't run the show. I thought maybe I'd get a bigger response out of that, but it's so I'll say it to this side. Feelings don't run the show. Thank you. 
You know, I hear it all the time. Pastor, I just don't feel like worship. And then they'll follow it up and try to sound spiritual about it. I'm not going to be a hypocrite about it. I can't bless the Lord if I don't feel like blessing the Lord. It wouldn't be honest. Are you kidding me? You know what the psalm would say to that? He would say there is an intensity and an intentionality to the involvement. What did he say? Lift up your hands to the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Can I just remind you today, it doesn't require a special feeling to lift your hands. It's a simple motor movement. You may not be able to command your heart, but you can command your arms. Lift your hands in worship and just maybe your heart will get the message and also be lifted up in praise. Sometimes you just have to go through the motions of worship. And when you do, your spirit will pick up the cue and will follow along. I don't know if you're aware of it or not, but you can act yourself into a new way of being. If you'll find the right things to do, if you'll practice the actions, then the other things will follow. Attitude is altitude. See, there are too many who think that the only way to change your behavior is to first change your feelings. The message of the Bible is that instead of changing your feelings in order to change your behavior, you can change your behavior and the change in your behavior will change your feelings. Your feelings may not be fully engaged. Your feelings may not be enthusiastic about the worship. Your feelings may be flat, but you can control your muscles. No excuses. Lift up your hands. Bless the Lord. See, there is a reality that is deeper than your feelings. You don't live by feelings. You live by faith. You don't worship by feelings. You worship by faith. You worship because the Lord is worthy of worship. You worship for an audience of one. You worship in order to redirect your feelings into a path that is in keeping with the will of God. Bless the Lord, all servants of the Lord. Those who serve during the night season watch. Lift up your hands to the sanctuary and bless the Lord. I may very well be talking to somebody listening to this message who finds yourself in the middle of what can only be described as the dark night of the soul. Maybe the light of hope has gone out. Maybe the joy has departed. You may think that every reason you have to worship has vanished. Maybe I'm talking to somebody who just feels numb because of the events of the last few days in your life. Maybe I'm talking to somebody who has had one calamity after another hit and you're thinking you just can't take it anymore. Maybe I'm talking to somebody whose body is racked with pain. Maybe I'm talking to somebody who's in the middle of a painful divorce. Maybe I'm talking to somebody who's lost a job and you can't see any way of providing for your family. Maybe I'm talking to somebody who's grieving 
over the death of a loved one. Maybe I'm talking to somebody who's reached the end of your endurance. Maybe your long, dark night of the soul is fear. Maybe your long, dark night of the soul is depression. Maybe your long, dark night of the soul is panic. Maybe your long, dark night of the soul is addiction. Whatever it is, however you would describe it, if you're in the long, dark night of the soul, the word of the Lord to you is this. Lift up your praising hands and bless the Lord. Don't wait until you feel like it. Go ahead and do it, and the feelings will follow. If you're really going through it, that's the time to bless the Lord. If you're really struggling, that's the time to bless the Lord. If you're really in a bind, that's the time to bless the Lord. If you're in the night season, the long, dark night of the soul, that's the time to bless the Lord. I wish somebody who's in the middle of the stuff right now would just go ahead and dare to obey the word of the Lord. I wish somebody who's in the middle of the night season would go ahead and lift up your praising hands and bless the Lord. Behold, bless the Lord, all servants of the Lord who serve by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Now, now watch this. Watch this and I'm through. This psalm talks about an invitation, an imperative, an instruction, an involvement, an intensity, and an intentionality. I want to finish up by showing that it also talks about an impartation. Verse 3. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. See, when God finds somebody in the middle of the night season daring to bless him in worship, he sits up and pays attention. When God sees that, that's when he responds. How does he respond? He responds by blessing that person. Oh, let me tell you today, he who made heaven and earth, he knows how to bring a blessing your way. If you'll worship the Lord, even in the night season, then the Lord will respond and he will bless you. You don't look like you believe me. I, I, I got story after story. You know, Job blessed the Lord, and God restored twice as much as he lost. Abraham blessed the Lord, and God gave him a son of promise in his old age. Joseph blessed the Lord, and God promoted him to prime minister of Egypt. Moses blessed the Lord. And the children of Israel were delivered from Egyptian bondage. Joshua blessed the Lord, and the walls of Jericho fell. David blessed the Lord and was given an everlasting kingdom. Solomon blessed the Lord, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Jehoshaphat blessed the Lord, and the enemy army was defeated. And it took them three days to gather the spoil of battle in what became known as Blessing Valley. 
three Hebrew boys, bless the Lord. And the flames of a fiery furnace didn't burn them. There wasn't even the smell of smoke on their clothing. Daniel, bless the Lord. And the mouths of hungry lions were shut. Paul and Silas, bless the Lord. And an earthquake opened prison doors, loosed chains of bondage, and the jailer and all of his household were saved. The apostle John, bless the Lord. And oil wouldn't boil him. And he was in the spirit on the Lord's day and received the revelation of Jesus Christ as King of kings and Lord of lords. I'm telling you, you can't bless the Lord without the Lord in turn blessing you. You may be in the night season. You may be in the long, dark night of the soul, if that's you. Then lift up your praising hands and bless the Lord. See, when you, when you begin to bless the Lord, then watch God turn around and bless you. Come on, I dare you to try it. If you're struggling, if you're discouraged, especially if you don't feel like it, if you'd rather do anything but respond in worship, you're a prime candidate for the blessing of the Lord. Attitude is altitude. Lift up your praising hands and bless the Lord. Behold, bless the Lord, all servants of the Lord, who stand by night, who serve by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the sanctuary and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. I want you to stand with me all over this house and bless the Lord. Speak your praises to him. Just about to get there. Uh... 